Welcome to Green City, a podcast focused on sustainability. I'm your host, Lene Marty Henson. We invite you to listen in on our conversations for positive change. It is my hope that we can all come away with something that resonates within our own lives and inspires us to action within our own communities. Let's start where we are and find ways to work together to create more connected, more vibrant, and indeed more sustainable communities. Join us each week as we learn from each other. Hello, I know this is not your usual programming. My name is Katrin Clausen, and I'm a senior at Valley High School in West Des Moines. Today, Lene Marty Henson so graciously allowed me to start a show takeover, and over the next few months, I will appear as a guest host. This morning, we're here with our first guest, Josh Mandelbaum, who is an environmental lawyer and Des Moines City Council member. Josh grew up in Des Moines and was a Truman Scholar in 2000. He graduated magna cum laude from Brown University in 2001 and is a 2009 honors graduate from the University of Iowa College of Law. Josh has worked and had experience in different aspects of public service. He held a fellowship at the U.S. Department of Transportation in the Secretary's Policy Office, and he was a senior policy advisor to Iowa Governor Thomas Vilsack and Lieutenant Governor Sally Peterson. Josh is currently serving his second term as city council member representing Ward 3 of Des Moines. Thank you for joining us today, Josh. Great to be with you. So to begin, why don't you tell us how growing up in Des Moines has influenced your work in public service? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Des Moines is the the community that shaped me, uh, and it's where I sort of got my first taste of civic involvement and, and activism. Uh, you know, actually, when I was a, a high school student at, at Roosevelt, uh, I got very involved in Students for Environmental Action, uh, which is probably a predecessor to the current environmental clubs at, at the school. And, and that was really, really a sort of one of those experiences that really shaped me. It was both kind of my social network, but but a lot of what we did was focused on, on student activism and thinking about how we could engage and participate and, and shape the world around us. Um, and so I that that's part of what got me on this journey and got me interested in public policy and one step leads to the next, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you were growing up in Des Moines, when in your life did you discover your interest in sustainability and its intersection with uh, politics in the political field? Uh, so the interest in sustainability probably started a, a, a little bit younger. You know, one of the things growing up in Iowa, I, I remember our family vacations where we'd sort of pile in the minivan uh, and drive to either state parks or national parks. Uh, and that really gave me an appreciation of the natural environment and conservation, which is part of what led me to getting involved in high school at the uh, Students for Environmental Action. And that was really the eye-opening piece where it gave me a broad perspective on sustainability and how that impacts more than just what we maybe traditionally consider the environment, how it impacts hunger, how it impacts the built environment, how it impacts transportation. And that that's where I started making the connection between 
uh, sustainability and multiple issues, as well as civic engagement. Yeah, the intersectionality between sustainability and many different subjects. And so now as an adult, your focus as an environmental lawyer is on clean air and water, right? Yeah, that that's that's my focus, and and that's evolved over time. Is my work at at the environmental law and policy sort of changes depending on what's on the docket and uh, focus. And a lot of what I do is is particularly in the energy and and climate space. Mm-hmm. And how does that overlap with your service on city council? Yeah, well, I think it gives me some unique expertise. So one of the things uh, a lot of the issues that I work on are, are sort of big picture policy, things that might be at the utility board level or state policy or thinking about federal policy. And, you know, where the proverbial rubber hits the road is at the local level. And so I have, it gives me an expertise to know what is going on, what are some of the key policy issues, and then I can translate that to actions we can take at the local level to implement that will fit within the broader framework and, and the broader the broader climate solutions or clean water solutions that, that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. And I actually lived in your ward of Des Moines and I campaigned for you uh, after a canvasser came to my door last fall. And I was interested in your push for implementation of those progressive local climate solutions and Uh, your uh, unique perspective, as you talked about, um, being an environmental lawyer too. So what action or policy have you pursued in that regard on city council with those uh, bold climate solutions that you look for? Yeah, so so one of my favorite, that's a really good example of what what we've done locally where we've led and pushed and that I wouldn't have thought of if I hadn't uh, been getting experience in, in this uh, in the policy realm and in the legal realm in my day job was our 24-7, 100% clean energy goal. So we're the, the first city in uh, in the country to adopt such a strong uh, clean energy standard. Uh, a lot of places, what they do is they, they might have a 100% clean energy goal and, and they can meet that with renewable energy, what's called renewable energy credits. And that's kind of the equivalent of what MidAmerican is doing today. They have this 100% renewable vision and they're still gonna be operating five coal plants when they meet their 100% renewable vision uh, because mm-hmm. they're, they're selling extra energy into the larger market and they're running their coal plants almost uh, for a third of the energy that they're generating. Mm-hmm. And that's the real change. Uh, and that's what the 24 seven policies designed to to catch and to address. Mm -hmm. So that's one example. Uh, Another example, we have a building energy and water conservation benchmarking ordinance that looks at the largest buildings uh, in the city and how they're using energy and water and compares them to uh, best practice in other buildings of the same use. Because we can make a significant impact just by focusing on the largest 1% of our buildings. Uh, so that's an example. I, I could go on and on. We've got an <laughs> urban force master plan that I'm excited about implementing that is a sustainability policy. It, it's a quality of life policy. It's an environmental justice and equity policy. 
so there are a lot of different pieces that we're pursuing in there that uh, I think will make an impact. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure many of those were done in your first term because you just recently started your second term this year, right? Um, so what is your what would you say are your main goals for this term? Yeah, so one of the policies that, that I'm eager to, to get us working on right now mm-hmm. uh, is to look um, at incentives for uh, building electrification, uh, particularly for new buildings and how we incorporate that uh, into our tax abatement policy. So we're starting discussions on that and hopefully we'll get a strong policy in place because you know, one of the hardest pieces when we look at our long-term goal to get to net zero as a community, it's thinking about all the homes and buildings that have uh, fossil fuel infrastructure use. Uh, And how do we get those houses that have natural gas furnaces or water heaters or stoves? How do we how do we do that? Well, the first place you start is trying to incentivize so that you don't build new fossil infrastructure in our community and into our houses. So that's one piece. Uh, I think another really important piece is thinking about the transportation side uh, of our sustainability goals. Uh, and thinking about how do we make our community safer for people to walk and bike uh, and get more, uh, use transit, make it tra- more transit accessible and, and get more trips that are, uh, that are more sustainable. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of pieces that I'm excited to keep focusing on. Yeah, that's great. Um, so Lene interviewed you in 2016, mainly about your work as an environmental lawyer. What new climate research or predictions have come out in the past six years that do you think have changed your work in a positive or negative way or giving you hope or made you more discouraged about uh, the climate situation for Iowa and the world? So one of the great things is that the technology, particularly renewable technology, is getting so much better. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if we talked six years ago, you know, wind was cost competitive and, and the lowest cost source of energy uh, even six years ago. But now solar has joined wind and the cost of solar has come down dramatically over the last six years. And the cost of battery storage, uh, and I, don't, I don't know the six year time frame, but I know battery storage today is about a tenth of the cost it was uh, a decade ago. And so when when the technology improves and when those when renewable and clean energy becomes more cost competitive, that's really significant in terms of making that uh, clean energy transition more realistic, that it can happen quicker uh, and, and get us to where we need to go to meet, meet the climate goals that, that are absolutely essential to stop or limit uh, global warming and global climate change. Uh, we've seen similar uh, evolution of electric vehicle technology and adoption too, but the big thing is the clean energy technology gets better, which means we can do more of it uh, and do it in a way that's going to be a benefit for for consumers economically, not just environmentally. Mm-hmm. And connecting the, to that, how do you think Des Moines can put the necessary effort into conservation and transition into that clean energy that we need to be using while maintaining the economy and not hurting um, the people that live there? 
Yeah, so it, it, it's a mix of strategies. One, we know energy conservation, energy efficiency and conservation saves consumers money uh, while being good for the environment. You know, the cheapest mm-hmm. form of energy is that energy that you don't use. And so we can take steps to, to be more efficient. That's our building benchmarking ordinance that is designed to help not just be better for the environment, but help businesses and our buildings save money, which makes them more uh, competitive and cost effective. Uh, it's thinking about how we how we take advantage of renewable energy and some of what just passed in the Inflation Reduction Act. So the city of Des Moines is going to be investing in solar for our facilities, uh, which will save us money over the long run. And when mm-hmm. we save money at our facilities over the long run, we can put that money back into other city services. So it's it's taking steps like that. It's thinking about, okay, if if there are concerns from a cost competitive perspective, how do we use our incentives? So when there are new projects, how do we use our incentives to make sure they're built sustainably? Uh, and I think we'll continue to see that uh, and continue to have success in that realm. Mm-hmm. And obviously your your whole work or much of your work is focused on sustainability, but when you're interacting with the community at events or when you were canvassing for this last re-election, do you think that many people in Des Moines understand the need for urgent climate action or do you think that not enough emphasis is put on it? So I, I think both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people understand the, the need for urgent climate action and more and more people all the time are understanding the importance of it. You know, we finally got a, a major piece of climate legislation passed at the federal level that really calls attention to these issues, but also the way that bill is structured, it provides a lot of opportunity for local governments looking to lead on climate action. And really here in Des Moines in particular, there is definitely a constituency uh, looking to see us lead on, on climate issues. That said, given the magnitude of, of the problem and what is in front of us, there still needs to be even more urgency and uh, more pushing on these issues than, than what we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. Do you receive pushback from people who deny climate change or disagree with its importance? So I see fewer climate deniers, um, but there are, I definitely get pushback from people who disagree with the climate solutions that, that and the policies that I've pushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are instances where people, you know, some of the building owners didn't want to even have to benchmark and measure how they're using energy and water and be compared to other users. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly, I think, because some of those folks uh, if it's known publicly or, or, or they see it, they might be embarrassed to be a poor performing building. Oh, yeah. uh, in, in other cases, when we start talking about uh, incentives and tying incentives to sustainability action, in the past, the city's provided incentives without, without any requirements for sustainability. And uh, folks who are used to some of those incentives uh, there's a certain amount of pushback there as well. But that's part of the point of the incentives. You know, we want to transform markets so that 
so that sustainability is more economically viable and more the norm. Uh, and, and that's going to rock some boats along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is one great idea or sentiment you have heard concerning sustainability from someone who, unlike you, is not a professional in this field? Someone, just a citizen from Des Moines. Yeah, so, I, I mean, when, when I hear from, from citizens, I mean, they come up with great ideas all the time. You know, mm-hmm. they're thinking about what can we do uh, in our lives from a recycling or, you know, how do we reduce single-use plastics? They have ideas like that all the time about how can we do that better? How can the city help facilitate action in, in those areas? Mm-hmm. What would you like our listeners and the people that you represent from Ward 3 of Des Moines to understand about climate change and the resources that are available to help them get engaged? Yeah, well, so one, I mean, we're impacted by it, uh, whether or not you want to believe it, we are already being impacted by climate change. In just the short amount of time that I've been on council, we've had multiple climate-related events. You know, we had the flash floods that we'd never seen. We had record amount of rain. We had essentially the wettest at the average wettest month, we get about six inches of rain in the average wettest month of the year here in Des Moines. We had seven to 10 inches of rain fall in a matter of hours on June 30th, 2018. And we saw flooding in places we'd never seen flooding before when you get a, a severe weather event like that. Climate change increases those events. We had a derecho that I didn't even know the term when I started on the council. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and since then, there have been a couple of derechos, one that was incredibly severe. Uh, and yeah. we'll see more events like that. And then at the same time, we've also been experiencing droughts uh, and, and extreme weather in the other direction. All of those things are impacting us today. Uh, and so one of the things I want folks to know is it's here. And if we don't work on solutions, we're going to just be reacting. Uh, and it's much better for us to work on solutions. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of steps that we can take. And the city is willing to be a partner in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, we everything from our urban forest master plan to what we're trying to do uh, with our abatement policy to encourage folks to take action. We're also part of, for example, Grow Solar, uh, which is an initiative that does a solar group buy to lower the cost for folks who want to put solar on their homes. So there are a lot of different pieces and we're always looking for ways to engage residents uh, so that they can be part of the solution too. Mm -hmm. So Des Moines is really pushing for, uh, at least the city council is really pushing for those um, climate solutions, but obviously many other areas of Des Moines are very rural with most of the population working in farming and other types of agriculture. And there's different usages of resources and opinions about climate change. So what light can you shed on uh, how an area like Des Moines is handling climate action differently from those more rural country areas? Yeah, well, some of the challenges we face are are just different, right? Um, You know, when we're targeting buildings of 25,000 square feet and above, uh, there's some communities that don't necessarily have a single building that's 25,000 square feet above. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, in other ways, uh, we can be partners. 
because we know one of the things that, that we need uh, is utility scale solar and wind projects. And those are gonna be sited in our rural areas predominantly. Uh, and that, that allows you know, a farmer to diversify uh, income by having solar panels on part of, part of their property uh, and farming other parts. Uh, it also can provide opportunities for, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a new term called agrivoltaics, uh, where you have uh, either pollinator habitat or even uh, certain types of of crops, maybe different than the corn and soybean mix that exists today, but certain type of crops that you grow in between the uh, rows of solar panels. So there are different solutions that are gonna be implemented in different places because we're not gonna have the same size solar panels here, mm -hmm. uh, but we are gonna look at how we use energy use and we're, um, so it's different issues uh, and different solutions, but all part of the same, the same solution over time. Mm -hmm. And what drives you to do your work and what brings you hope in this area that can be so disheartening sometimes um, with, uh, the climate change that's going on in the world, what brings you hope? So one of the things that, that brings me hope, um, you know, it's actually folks like you, uh, you know, because uh, I wish more of my generation was engaged on this issue, but I, it's very clear to me that the, the generations that are following get these issues and are prioritizing them and are working towards solutions and are pushing folks like myself and my colleagues, the legislature, they're pushing us to act and to do better on this. Um, and we've got, we've got solutions out there. Uh, and so with folks pushing us, it, it gives me hope that we, we will actually meet the moment and take the actions we need to, because I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you have any final words of wisdom for us? I, you know, one of the things that uh, that I think is, I, I remember my time when I first got started as, as a high school student at, at Students for Environmental Action. Uh, change happens sometimes frustratingly slow, but it does happen. And so if you engage and you're persistent and you keep working, you will have an impact and you will be able to see that impact over time. Uh, so don't don't give up because the work that you're doing now, you might not see the result immediately, uh, but you will see the result eventually. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Josh, and for your inspiring words and for your work towards effective climate solutions for Des Moines. You can find this podcast uh, for this show on www.yourgreenportal.com or Spotify and any other streaming service. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. That's all for this edition of Green City. I'm Lene Marty Henson, and I hope you continue to listen in on these conversations focused on the broad realm of sustainability. I truly believe that we go further faster when we come together to have real dialogue, inspiring us toward practical solutions. Let's continue to learn from each other how best to nurture this precious planet we call home. Thanks for listening. We are truly grateful.